All right. One of the games that uh, my family loves to play, well, maybe not loves to play, but we play occasionally when we go on long road trips is the game Would You Rather. Most of you have heard of the game Would You Rather. Someone asks a question, would you rather do this or that, and someone just replies with the answer. And usually in the game Would You Rather, there's some questions that are just kind of the common questions. So you want to play a little bit of Would You Rather this morning? Okay, let's do it. You sound super excited, kind of. All right. Would you rather have the power of invincibility or the power of flight? Who's invincibility? Or invisibility, sorry. Invisibility. Power of, invis of invisibility or the power of flight? Who would have, rather have the power of invisibility? How about the power of flight? Raise your hand nice and high. Okay, yeah, a lot of you. Power of flight. That's me too. Power of flight. Would you rather go to Disneyland or Hawaii? Who would rather go to Disneyland? Hand nice and high. All right, a few of you. Who would rather go to Hawaii? Hand nice and high. Yeah. Now, if we had all the kids in here, we might have a little bit of a different, weighted a little more evenly. But at some point, as, you, as we're playing this game with my family, eventually one of the questions that will come up, and we're not going to have you raise your hand on this one, but one of the questions that will come up has to do with the five senses. And it's the question, would you rather lose your hearing or would, would, you, rather, uh, or would you rather have your sense of hearing or would you rather have your sense of sight? And I can't imagine losing either of these senses because they're obviously we use them every single day so, so much. But for me, the answer is always the same. I would rather lose my sense of hearing. I cannot imagine losing my sense of sight. Becky, don't laugh. She's thinking you're already losing your sense of hearing. But uh, <laughs> Becky's my wife. But, um, but I can't imagine going without my sense of sight. And uh, this last week, I did a little bit of homework on this and what, it, what it's like to be blind. And something that people with blindness all have in common is that the rest of their senses are kind of like they're, ex, they're just heightened. They're, they have super sharp uh, hearing, super sharp sense of touch. And, uh, and where we find our way around with our eyes through the house and, and through streets and wherever we might go, people who, who can't see, they, they find their way around through touch and through, through hearing and all that. And today we're going to be spending our, our morning looking at a man in the Bible named Bartimaeus, a man who is blind. And we're just going to call him Bart this morning for short. Um, Bart lives in a city named Jericho. It's a city that's, that's about 21 miles away from Jerusalem. And unlike in our modern times where, where people who are visually impaired don't have, uh, or they have different te technologies like uh, crosswalk signals and braille and different things like that to help them kind of navigate their way through life, Bartimaeus doesn't have, doesn't have any of that. But his whole life is about to change on one incredible day. And I imagine that this particular day looked the exact same as it had every other day for, for Bart. You know, every day after Bart woke up and did his morning routine, he'd feel around for, for his cloak. Then when he'd find it, he'd put it over his shoulders and head out on a little journey, the same little journey that he'd been taking almost every single day. Unlike the walks those with sight take, his walk might have gone something a little more like this. Six steps to the opening of his home and then out the door where the, the smells and the sounds of the city were the same as they were yesterday. Then eight steps across the street to the next building where his hands would tell him where to stop. And then it was 15 steps down the street, past three storefronts, then a left turn, 50 steps, hugging the right side, careful not to be thrown off track by the crowd that would begin to gather. 
It's early, and it's easier to travel when pe less people are out. 100 steps, right turn, 10 steps across, 76 steps to the displaced rocks on the wall, 27 steps, reaching the outer portion of the city. Five steps, slight right, 13 steps, slight left, eight more steps, nine steps to the pillar along the main thoroughfare in and out of town. And then finally, he arrives at his spot. This spot is a familiar destination. And like he would always do when he arrived at his, his spot, he would take off his most valuable possession, his cloak. And then he would sit down and lay his cloak out in front of himself, and he would sit and wait and listen. Listen for the sounds of people coming towards him. Listen for the sounds of, of feet crunching along the gravel road. And when he hear those sounds, he began to beg, asking people for money. Now, for a blind man in the ancient Middle East, his entire hope of surviving was placed on the people that would walk past him. Would they be merciful and show him some pity, throwing some money on his cloak that he had laid out, or would they just keep walking? So this is where, where Bart's at in this story. He's sitting there on the side of the road. Meanwhile, on the other side of town, on the other side of Jericho, someone else is on the same road that Bart's on. Jesus is walking through town with his disciples. A large crowd of people is walking with them. And the reason for the crowd likely has to do with the fact of where Jesus is headed. You see, Jesus is going to Jerusalem for one of the biggest annual Jewish celebrations, the Feast of Passover. And the crowds are likely following him so closely because they believe that he's the long-awaited Messiah. They believe that, that when he gets to Jerusalem that he's going to set up a kingdom, he's going to set up a throne, he's going to set up an army, and he's going to conquer the evil Roman Empire. And, and so... To the crowds, this is the start of the coronation parade. The king is about to get crowned, but little do they know that, that his crown is not going to be a crown of gold and diamonds. His crown is going to be a crown of thorns. And little do they know that instead of shouting, long live the king, they'll be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. But for now, all they want to do is they want to get to Jerusalem as quickly as they can so they can crown Jesus king. And so they're moving through the city of Jericho, and as they begin to reach the outer limits of the, the city, and as they begin to head out of the city, they see a familiar sight on the side of the road. Beggars sitting, hoping for some loose change. Beggars that they, in ancient times, would have considered the lowest of the low. And among those beggars is our friend Bart. And this is where we pick up the story in the Bible. It says this, then they came to Jericho. This is Jesus and his disciples. And as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, the contrast here between Bart and the crowd is very, very stark. The crowd is hoping for salvation. Bart's hoping for some loose change. They're up. He's down on the ground. The crowd is going somewhere. But Bart is stuck going nowhere. And I wonder this morning if there's maybe someone in the room that can kind of relate to where Bartimaeus is at in life where he's just at this low, low place. Life is not as it should be, and, and you know it. You know it shouldn't be full of the hurt that you have. You know that it shouldn't be this painful. It shouldn't be this hopeless. It shouldn't be this sad, this lonely. 
But here you are, and you're stuck in this place and beginning to get desperate. You've been looking everywhere for something to fix this brokenness inside, but nothing's working. The long hours at work aren't working. That guy, that girl, it's not working. The new toy is not working. Your ideas of success aren't working. Religion isn't working. And maybe you're like Bart. You've just kind of settled in this life of brokenness. It's just what you do. It's just who you are day in and day out. And I want you to know that God has you here this morning because he wants you to know that Jesus is coming your way. And he wants you to know that the one who came to set captives free, the one who came to heal brokenness, the one who came to, 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 to touch the oppressed and bring them freedom, the one who came to heal blind eyes, that Jesus is in the house today and that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Bible says that, that when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You see, Bart has heard of Jesus before. He's heard about this guy. He hasn't, he, he hasn't been in, this is the first time that Jesus has been in Jericho. But he's heard about Jesus. He knows that this guy is different. He knows that he's different than all the other religious leaders. He knows that Jesus has, has power to heal. Jesus has power to save. And that Jesus has power to touch blind eyes. And something inside of Bart awakens. He begins to make some noise, and he wants to get Jesus' attention really bad. And as he gets loud, as he gets desperate, the Bible says that, that the people in the crowds become overwhelmed with compassion, and they ask Jesus to stop, and they ask Jesus to reach out to their friend. It's not exactly how the story goes. The Bible says that, that many rebuked him. They rebuked Bart and told him to be quiet. And we don't really know why they told him to be quiet. You know, maybe it was because they had plans to just, they wanted Jesus in Jerusalem right away. They wanted him to set up this, this kingdom now. And they just had no time for anything that would distract them from their plans. Or maybe Bart's disruption was just making them a little bit uncomfortable. You know, like if someone this morning was to start yelling out, Jesus, Jesus, we'd, it'd be a little bit uncomfortable. And maybe, maybe they just wanted neat and tidy. They're not interested in, in awkward and messy. But whatever their reasons, you, you could boil it down to this. They don't have time for broken and desperate people. And you need to understand something about how things work with Jesus. When broken and desperate people are no longer welcomed, you no longer have Jesus. You've got something else. You've got religion. Because broken and desperate people are always welcomed with Jesus. And if you don't have, if you don't have the, the heart or the time, you've got religion, and that's not good because religion never fixed anything. Religion never healed anybody. Religion never opened any blind eyes. And, and here's the thing with religion. Religion always wants things neat and tidy. Um, it, it's just concerned with the outside rather than what's going on on the inside. Religion wants you to look the part. It wants you to behave the part. And so when a religious person encounters brokenness, when, it refers you to just, you cover up the brokenness. Just stay quiet about it. Just keep that, keep that over there. Keep that to yourself. Put a mask on it. And, and here's why. It's because if your brokenness is exposed, it might up, end up exposing mine. And you see this sometimes in, in marriages where somebody, one, one of the spouses uh, uh, will say, okay, we, we got to do something. Things are broken. Things are just not good in our marriage. We need to get healing. We need to talk to somebody about this. And then the other spouse will say, no, let's just, let's just, let's not go there. Let's just, 
let's just work through this on our own. And, and I hate to admit it, guys, but usually we're the ones that are saying, no, let's not do anything about this. Let's just make it look like everything's good, everything's okay. Or, or sometimes you see this play out in the church. People get together, and rather than share about their pain or their brokenness, maybe in a small group context, they just prefer to keep quiet, to make it look like everything's okay. And, and the worst thing is when someone whose life maybe isn't as together as yours might be, just we ignore them or, or keep that person at a, an arm's length, and they're just not welcome. This is the way of religion. It's not the way of Jesus, as we're about to see in this story. In our story, the crowds, they attempt to shut down Bart's cries for help, but he's not having any of it. The Bible says, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And then I love what happens next. The Bible says Jesus stopped and said, call him. And this morning, if you're here and you're, you're in a desperate place, a place of brokenness, pain, captivity, or maybe you know somebody else that is in that, that place, there's a few things that you need to know about Jesus this morning. And the first thing is this. If you're in a desperate place in life, Jesus notices. He notices. Bart thinks that Jesus doesn't notice. And so what happens when he calls out and there's not a response right away is that he begins to, to yell even louder. But what he doesn't understand is that Jesus noticed Bart and knew about his situation before he even stepped foot into the city. In fact, according to God's word, Jesus knew about Bart's situation before Bart was even born. Jesus knew Bart when he was forming Bart in his mother's womb. Jesus knew Bartimaeus all along, and, 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 and so when Bartimaeus begins to yell, Jesus, he notices, he, he knew what was going on. The Bible says that Jesus is familiar with every single one of our ways. He notices, and it's the same with you. And one of the worst parts about going through something that's difficult, you're going through a difficult situation in life, one of the worst parts about that is when you start to get this awful sense that nobody notices, that you're just going through this all on your own, or worse, that God doesn't notice. But that's not true. Jesus does notice. And not only does he notice, but like he does with Bartimaeus, Jesus cares. He stops. He's like, okay, there's somebody here that's yelling my name who needs, who needs my help. And he stops, and he says, call him. One time in the Bible, to help us understand how much he cares, Jesus started talking about birds. And he started talking about a particular bird, sparrows. And he said this about them. He said, not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. In other words, he wants you and me to know today that he cares deeply. He notices, he cares, and then as you begin to cry out to him, Jesus is moved to do something. Jesus stops, and he says, bring him over here. Jesus is on his way. You got to understand a, a little bit about the, the bigger picture here, Jesus is on his way to do the single most important job in all of history. In less than two weeks from this event, Jesus is going to be hanging on a cross, dying for the sins of the world. He's got some important business that he's up to, and yet he, he stops, he notices Bart, and then he goes into action on behalf of this man that most people probably didn't even notice anymore. And when you begin to reach out to Jesus, he does the same thing for you. For someone here today, 
Just you showing up today in church is a desperate act. This week, you've just been going, okay, I don't even know what to do next. I don't even, my life is just broken. There's so much stuff going on. I need to get to God. And, and maybe if I show up at a church, maybe, maybe God will be there at that church. And as you begin to make a move towards Jesus, he goes to work on your behalf. You see this over and over again in, in, in the Bible. A Roman centurion reaches out to Jesus. He says, Jesus, I have a servant who's, who's sick. Can you come? And Jesus stops what he's doing, and he goes. Another time, the disciples, they're in a boat, and there's a storm that comes crashing down on them. And Jesus is sleeping. They think he doesn't notice, but he, he knows everything that's going on because he's God. But they go to him, and they tap him, and they yell at him that Jesus do something. And what does he do? He gets up, and he does something. There is no such thing in the Bible as passive Jesus. Jesus that doesn't care. That Jesus does not exist. Jesus notices, and he cares. Now, sometimes the something he does is not necessarily the something that you want him to do. But what he does is always good, and it works towards the good of those who love him. But know this, Jesus notices, he cares, and he moves into action when we call out to him. Now, the flip side of all this is something that I think God wants us to see is, is this. If you're at a thriving place in life, so you don't find, you, you're here this morning, you're going, okay, Rich, you're talking a lot about desperation and just being in a place of brokenness, and I'm not really finding myself there this morning. And that's cool if you don't find yourself there. But here's what Jesus would want to say to you. If you're at a thriving place in life, Jesus wants you to notice those around you who might not be. Jesus wants you to care, and Jesus wants you to do something. He wants you to do something. And don't we just get so caught up in the craziness of life to just hurry, 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 run here, go there, do this, do that, go to work, run home, drop off the kids. We get so busy that we don't even notice the people around us who are going through something in life. We don't hear their cries for help, which, by the way, are often too subtle for people in a hurry to notice. But Jesus, he wants us to notice, and he wants us to, to be moved with compassion, and he wants us to do something, do anything. Going back to our story of Bart, apparently there was, there was some compassionate people in the crowd because when Jesus said, call him, the Bible goes on to say, so they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you, they said. And then throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus, and then Jesus looks at him and says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him, which is kind of a weird question when everybody knows that Bartimaeus is blind. Now, something pretty significant that happens here in the story, um, I want you to see, and that's this, Bart grabs his cloak, and he throws it aside. He throws it aside. Now, remember, Bart is blind, which means in those days he's very poor. This cloak is likely the most valuable possession that he has. This cloak is a key part of his being able to make money. If he doesn't have a cloak, then there's no, he, he's, people are throwing his change, the change on the road and the dirt and the dust, and it gets lost. Likely this cloak, he uses this as a blanket on a cold night. This is likely his most valuable possession. And what does Bart do when Jesus calls him? He throws this valuable possession aside along with all the money that's, been, that's sitting in it. And, and to him, the only thing that matters in that moment 
is he has got to get to Jesus. He just has to get to him. And there's another story in the Bible that's a total contrast of what's going on here. The story of the rich young ruler. Remember this guy? He comes to Jesus and Jesus says, okay, if you want to follow me, you got to sell all your possessions and give to the poor. And the man walks away from Jesus, dejected, knowing that he can't, he can't give up everything that he has. But Bart's different. He goes, he, he throws his cloak aside and, and they lead him towards Jesus. I love how one Bible commentator put it. He said it like this. Bartimaeus recognized that in this particular matter, his cloak could become a hindrance. It might trip him up as he hurried toward Jesus. And so with rare abandon, he made absolutely sure that the hindrance was removed before it had a chance to do damage. He had some sight after all, but it emanated from his soul and not his eyes. It emanated from his soul and not his eyes. He had enough sight inside to know that he needed to get rid of this thing that was in the way so that he could get to Jesus. He had enough insight inside to know that nothing else mattered in that moment except getting to Jesus as fast as he could. And just a couple questions for us this morning. And if you've got a program, inside your program, there's, there's sermon notes. And you'll find a couple of blank spaces in your sermon note where you can write your answers to these two questions. But the first question is this. What's hindering you from coming to Jesus today? What is hindering you from coming to Jesus today? You see, sometimes we get so excited about Jesus, and we get excited when we hear about hope. We get excited when we hear about how he came to bring life and came to bring life to the full and how he can heal brokenness and he can make a difference in our lives, change us. We get excited about all that, but then when it comes time to surrendering to him and, and removing whatever it is in our lives that gets in the way of us coming to him, we hesitate. And maybe Jesus says, I want to heal you. I want you to experience life to the full, but your schedule is hindering you. You're going to have to remove some things. Or maybe it's your drive to make more money. It's your drive to accumulate stuff. And, and you know that if, you, if, you, if you, you're going to get to Jesus, you know that, that stuff has got to be put aside, but you hesitate. Or it could be a relationship. You know that when you come to Jesus, your dad or your mom or your friend is going to think differently of you. Maybe it's an addiction. I don't know what it is, but what is it that is hindering you from coming to Jesus? What is it that's in the way? And then the second question is this. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Maybe we should have flipped those two questions around. But the two questions, what do you want Jesus to do for you? And what is hindering you from coming to Jesus? You know, don't you find it interesting that Jesus asked Bart this question? You know, you, there's, there's no stupid questions, but this kind of seems like it's a bit of one of those questions, right? Bart's there. Um, he can't see. And Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, not only can Jesus see Bart's blindness, but Jesus is God. He can see inside Bart's heart. He knows every single one of Bart's motives. He knows everything about Bart's life. He knows, he knows what Bartimaeus wants, but he asks anyways, what do you want me to do for you? Now, I have a couple of, of ideas why that is. Um, I'm a dad, and I got five kids, and so as a dad, my kids are constantly asking me for stuff. 
sometimes I go to bed at night, and the only thing I hear in the back of my head is, Dad, 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 Dad. It just, it plays over and over again in my, my brain. But my kids will ask me for stuff, and, and you, I've told you a little bit about my daughter, Taylor. My daughter, Taylor, is 14, and um, she has this thing with candy, which reminds me, we should probably have someone on the table out there in the commons because she will probably somehow sneak off with a couple bags before this morning's done. But anyways, she loves candy. And uh, this last, uh, about three weeks ago, um, myself and my son and, and a couple of his friends went down to Seattle for this, this uh, Lego deal that was going on. And uh, we went to uh, the mall afterwards, and we, as we were going through the mall, we, we passed the candy shop, candy store, whatever they call it. And uh, I thought, okay, let's go in there, and we'll get some candy. And, and you know how you go in these candy stores, and there's no prices of candy anywhere? It's just lots of candy all over the place. The only way you get the price is if you ask. Well, on the wall, they have the jelly bean display. And it's all different kinds of jelly beans, like probably 100, maybe even more different flavors of jelly beans, all the little canisters. You grab your little plastic bag, and then you put it up underneath the jelly beans that you want, and you pull the little... Uh, lever there, and it puts some candy in your bag. Well, I started going to town looking at all these flavors, like cotton candy, popcorn flavored, watermelon flavored, and so I'm just like going crazy, and it, I was all finished, and I go to the counter with my bag of jelly beans. It's probably about that high, maybe about that wide. $25. I spent 25 I couldn't take them all back because they were all mixed together, so here I am. I'm like, what? 25 bucks? But anyways, so 25 bucks for jelly beans. <laughs> and I get home, and I knew that when I came home, I knew that Taylor was going to somehow find out about the jelly beans. And I wanted to kind of, I wanted to monitor how, monitor how fast the jelly beans went. I, I was, was going to eat them all myself. I was going to share them. But Taylor has this thing with candy where if she's got this inner radar, and whenever candy is in a one-mile radius her inner radar starts to beep, 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 beep. And as candy comes closer and closer, her inner radar beeps faster. Beep, 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 beep. And no word of a lie, as soon as I came in the front door of the house, Taylor comes pitter-pattering down the stairs, and, and she just knew. She could have been upstairs in her bedroom. She could have had her headphones on, totally immersed in her homework. She knows when candy is in the house. If you ever lose candy in your house... Hire Taylor. Bring her over. She will track down your candy. I'm telling you. It's, it's, um, it's an amazing gift that she has. But we come in the, fr the front door, and, and I'm standing there. I, she's, I, I put the bag behind my back, and she comes up to me. She just knew. I don't know how, but she just knew. And she comes up to me, and she's got this big smile on her face. Like, and she doesn't ask for candy. She knows I've got it. She sees it hidden behind my back somehow. But she doesn't ask. And, and I don't give it to her because as her dad, I want her to ask in that moment. I don't want her to think in that moment that just because she's my child that she's entitled to whatever I have. It's, it's just a right of hers. I want her to ask and I want her to know that I've got a choice. I could either withhold it from her or I could give it to her. But I want her to, to receive the blessing of candy not as a right but as a gift, as a gift from her dad who loves her, and who's making a decision to give it to her. And I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus wanted Bart to ask. He wasn't entitled to give it to him. 
but he, he wanted to give it to him. And I think the other reason that Jesus asked the question is because he wanted Bart to articulate his need and to express his faith. What did Bart really believe that Jesus could do for him? And, and was Bart willing to express that out loud to Jesus? You see, it's one thing to believe in your heart that Jesus can heal blindness, but it's a completely different thing to go up to somebody and to, and to say, I want you to, to pray for my blindness. It's one thing to believe in your heart that, that Jesus can set you free from an addiction, but it's a completely different thing to walk up here after the service this morning and talk to the prayer team and say, I want you to pray that Jesus would set me free from this addiction. It's one thing to believe that, that Jesus can save your, your son or daughter who has wandered a long ways away from him, but it's a different thing to express that out loud and say, yeah, I believe that Jesus, you can do this. And Jesus, he, he wants us to express our faith. And what do you, you really believe that Jesus can do for you? What is it for you? Jesus, he, he asks Bart, what can I do for you? And the Bible says, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. And then Jesus, he simply says, go, your faith has healed you. And, and here's, here's where the healing really happens is in this next line. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. This is such a great picture here of the change that happens when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. The story, it kind of it begins with Bart. He's, he's sitting beside the road, brokenness. Then Jesus comes along. He sees Jesus with the eyes of his heart, and then he begins to respond to Jesus, and he follows Jesus, and he's a changed man. And don't miss the, the most important change that happens here. It's not that, that these blind eyes are open. It's that these blind eyes are open. The Bible says in this verse, he received his sight, and then he began to follow Jesus because he knew that Jesus was who he says that he is. He knew that Jesus is the way. He knew that Jesus is what his heart has been searching for, and he begins, the Bible says, to follow Jesus. He goes from death to life. One of the uh, interesting things that the, the Bible scholars who've studied this passage way more than I did know all the context one of the interesting things that one of the, a lot of them say is that Bartimaeus is one of the only times in all of Scripture where Jesus heals somebody and a name is attached to the healing. The Bible talks lots and lots about how Jesus healed lots of people. He healed people of all their sicknesses and all their diseases, but rarely does it attach a name to the miracle except in this case. And scholars believe that the reason for that is that Bartimaeus doesn't just follow Jesus for a little bit, but Bartimaeus follows Jesus with his whole life. Bartimaeus follows Jesus down to Jerusalem, and he watches as Jesus is crucified and hung on a cross. And then Bartimaeus either sees the risen Jesus or he hears about the risen Jesus, and he, he continues to follow Jesus. And then Bartimaeus becomes immersed in the life of the early church, and so they knew him. They knew his story. They knew him by name, but Bartimaeus, he, he follows Jesus and, and puts his faith and trust in Jesus, and we all have needs in here today that we want Jesus to meet. We all have them, and, and you need to know that, that Jesus is here, 
that Jesus notices, he knows what that need is, and that he cares so deeply, and that he wants to move into action as you begin to reach out to him. But the most important need that any of us have here in this room today is for Jesus to set us free from the power of sin and death, to take our hearts that are dead because of sin and to make them alive. And if you're here today, maybe you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe you've heard about Jesus. Maybe you've kind of been floating around church and and not quite ready to respond to him with faith and trust. You need to, to know this morning that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, when you respond to him in faith and trust, he comes in and he takes your life that is broken, your life that is enslaved, and he sets you free and he, he changes you. The Bible talks about how he takes us from death and he, he, brings, he brings life. He transforms you. But this transformation, it happens in our lives as we see Jesus, respond to Jesus, and then follow Jesus. It happens as we see Jesus, respond to Jesus, and follow Jesus. This transformation doesn't happen when you, you walk in those back doors this morning. The transformation doesn't happen the moment that you believe there's a God out there somewhere. The transformation doesn't, it doesn't even happen the moment that you say, I'm a Christian. That's not when the transformation happens. The transformation happens when the eyes of your heart begin to see Jesus and then you respond. You respond to him. And the response that brings the transformation is the same every single time. It's a response of faith and trust in Jesus. A response that says, Jesus, I trust you. I don't even even know everything there is to know about you, but I trust you enough that I'm going to turn from my way of living, and I'm going to turn to your way of living. And when you do that, Jesus comes, and he does what he did with blind Bartimaeus here. He opens the eyes of your heart, and you begin to see him. You begin to see him. And if you're here this morning and you're in that boat where you go, okay, I've never done that, but I want to do that, I encourage you today. Today could be your moment. It could be your moment. Bartimaeus, he's, he's on the side of the road. He, something awakens in him. And he just knows, I've gotta, I have to get to Jesus today. It was his moment. And if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I believe that God has got you here for this moment right here. He wants you to know the life. He wants you to know the joy. He wants you to know the blessing and the purpose and and what it's like to be a part of an incredible family that loves and cares about you. He wants you to know all that. All he asks is that you respond to him in faith and trust. And I'm going to pray this morning and just wrap wrap us up this morning. Just pray that God would would meet us where we're at. And as we do this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you're here this morning, you go, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus for the first time. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that this morning as we pray. Would you pray with us? Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much that we are here and that you are here as well. And Lord, I know that you have got each one of us here today because you want to speak to us. Lord, maybe somebody is here because they're in a place of desperation and brokenness. And Lord, you want them to hear that you notice. You want them to hear today that you are God who cares deeply for them. And I pray that, Lord, in that itself, that Jesus, they would begin to find just a hope that they, they haven't had. Lord, and I pray that in that, Lord, faith would begin to rise up and that, Lord, they begin to reach out to you to ask for you to, to come and, and meet them where they're at.
Lord, they begin to reach out to, to others in their church family to, to help them and to pray for them and to come alongside of them. And Lord, I pray that, that Father, you would bring healing and that, God, you would bring wholeness to, to whoever that person is at it is today in this room. And Father, I also want to pray for those in this room who, who have never put their faith and trust in you. Maybe someone's here this morning because they just are, are, are knowing that life is not as it should be, that, that something is missing. And they're here today because they're, they're searching. And Father, as they're here, they're, they're sensing in their heart that as they're hearing about you, Jesus, that, that this is it. This is what they are missing. And Father, I pray this morning that, that they would have the courage and the faith to respond to you, Jesus, with faith and trust. And I'm just going to ask if you could keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. And I want to give you an opportunity. If that's you this morning, you're going, I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus, but I hear Jesus calling me. I hear him calling out to me in my heart in this moment, inviting me to come and follow him. If that's you this morning, you go, I want to respond in faith and trust to Jesus. I'm going to ask that you raise your hand nice and high, and I just want to pray for you. Is there anybody here this morning? Awesome. Anybody else? You're, you're going, I want to respond in faith and trust to Jesus. Anybody here? Amen, amen. You can put your hands down. Let me just pray for you. Jesus, Lord, you see the hands that have gone up this morning. And Jesus, we celebrate along with you and along with, with all the angels in heaven Lord, at the transformation that is taking place even now. And Father, I pray um, this morning, God, for the hands that, that, that went up, that Jesus, that Lord, this would be the start of a new day, that God, it would be the start of a new journey of following and knowing you who is, the, who, who is life. I pray, Father, that Lord, uh, you would come and, and, and transform and change and just open eyes to, to the, the beauty and the glory of who you are, Jesus. And Father, we just say thank you so much for what you have done this morning and what you are going to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.